Welcome to another Solid Rock Church podcast by Bishop Larry Ragland, Senior Pastor of Solid Rock Church. For more information and content, please visit solidrockchurch.com. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and you have a blessed day. Hallelujah. 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 That's a good armor bearer right there. That's a good armor bearer. Now, I know Sandy gets on me sometimes for telling too much of my business. But I just got to tell y'all, I'm going to tell you what kind of good armor bearer he is. <laughs> he know what I'm about to say. Y'all know I live in a camper, right? I live in a camper. And, and, and uh, so when you come to church on Sunday, you got to remember to bring everything you need to take a shower and get ready for church on Sunday. And you think by now I done figured out everything I need with a checklist in my mind. Well, I got to church and I forgot my belt. So I tried on several different pairs of jeans that I got hanging up back there to see if I could find some that was tight. And they all was just falling off of me. And I'm back there going, huh? I, I come over to him during praise and worship. I said, brother, I hate to do this to you, but I need your belt. I said, if I took your belt, he's like, what? I said, if I took your belt, would your pants fall off of you? He said, uh, yeah, they would. They'd fall off of me. I said, well, I need you to pray about it. He said, he said, well, you know what? I'll find you one. Don't worry about it. I'll find you one. He goes all over. He comes back and hands me a belt. I said, what a man of God. Go back behind the curtain. I said, where did you find it? He said, I gave you my belt. He said, I'm not preaching today, so I'll hold my britches up. Praise God. Hallelujah. So that's an armor bearer. I'm wearing CJ's belt. Praise the Lord. That's an armor bearer. You know, I can't, t- I, can't, uh, I can't tell you how perfect today's message is for the moment. Because I've already had four weeks laid out in this series called Repeat of the, of the messages that I was going to go back to and, and, and get some nuggets from them and repeat them again because some things are worth saying again. Come on, somebody. Amen? They they were words in some ways that were ahead of their time. And I'd already had the first four weeks laid out. So the third week, part three, if we can put that slide up there, today, part three of repeat is legacy. And when I realized, when it hit me this week, that I had already planned on preaching uh, nuggets from that series that I preached back in 2018 called Legacy, I realized, my God, what better sermon to preach to remember the legacy of the great man Fred Cobb. He is living before us right now the, the, the meaning of that word legacy. He has left a legacy. He's left a legacy in his family. He's left a legacy in this church. He's left a legacy in schools. He's left a legacy with first responders. He's left a legacy with all the lives that were touched by his barbecue and his ribs. Well, we took some food by the Cobb's house the other night. And, I, and it was all in bags. It wasn't cooked yet. We just went to the store and got some food for them. And I said, well, I know one thing that I know if I know anything, I know y'all ain't got no trouble going, had no trouble cooking this because I know every cob knows how to cook. Amen. And all the kids laughed and they said, yeah, we know how to cook. I said, that's right. And I'll tell you what I was thinking. I didn't say it, but I was thinking, but I'm going to say it publicly right now. You know, I thank God. I, I, I'm just, I think Fred would be all right with me saying this. I know my brother. I, I th- it'd be okay for us to laugh a little bit. Amen. 
when we're thinking about this great man of God. He told me one day when he's making ribs, he was getting ready. He was, he was making his sauce. He's making his barbecue. He had several places that he was catering, you know, and he was doing some stuff for the church. And he, he said, he said, I said, do you need any help? Do you need any help? Because he's doing a fundraiser, too, for people to come get the stuff ready. He said, I don't need no help. I got a built-in uh, employee section. My kids, I've taught my kids from the day they were, they were young how to rub those ribs just right. Come on, somebody. I taught them how to make that sauce. He, hey, I love him, he, but, but you know what? He wouldn't tell me what's in the sauce. Even, even his pastor don't know what's in that sauce, but I bet his kids does. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So I'm hoping and I'm praying in the name of Jesus that they know how to make them ribs like the daddy. Come on. Does anybody feel me? Say amen. Because if you never had Fred ribs, you ain't had ribs. I spoke in tongues every time I ate them. So we honor him. But we don't just honor Fred. We honor several great leaders of this house, great leaders in your family, great leaders of the body of Christ. We've lost a lot of big-time generals over the last 10 years. And this is when you find out who's got the mantle and who doesn't. Who's going to pick up and take it to the next level? Because let me tell you something about a good legacy, a person that really believes in legacy. A lot of, a lot of times I, see, I hear people, and I understand where they're coming from, but you know, you need to be careful being sanctimonious sometimes on, on Facebook just because you think you're so full of God and all this. You want to rebuke somebody because they said something. You got people saying, you know, all these preachers talking about leaving a legacy. I don't want to leave no legacy because legacy means you're remembering me. I don't want nobody to remember me. I want them to remember Jesus. Oh my God, quit being so full of yourself. Quit being so full of yourself because you got a problem because somebody wants to sow into people's lives so that their memory can continue to feed them, continue to encourage them. I'm telling you, I know many people that's gone before me that's with the Lord that I still remember their words. Their life was an example to me, and I want to somehow even be a shadow of what they were. They never claim to try to make themselves up to be something big and bad. But I'm going to tell you something. There is something powerful about living a life that, that you understand leaves a mark on those that are behind you. There's a reason why God is called the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of, the God of Israel. Come on, you can, amen. Generations. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's known as the God of generational blessings. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But now we live in a generation that's self-absorbed. Selfies, selfies, filters to make everything look perfect so you to convince everybody else that your life is perfect. But the sad thing is when you see these big time uh, influencers is what they call themselves uh, and, and these social media people and you see tragedy. I don't mean this to, to boys. I hate this. But you see something terrible happens to them and they, they leave this world because they die suddenly of this or that or whatever. And I hate to say it. I'm not, I'm not trying to speak, speak bad of the dead. But many times you'll find out that everything you thought that person was, they were not. Because the true life that they lived many times is exposed after we are gone. Are you hearing me? Because you're not here anymore to fake it. 
You're not here anymore to make people think that it's one thing. Because the truth will always come out. Truth, it may take generations, but truth never loses. You need to get this in your heart. You can live a lie, but I'm going to tell you something. You may be good at it, and there are some professional liars. I'm talking about there are some liars. Some of you know you. Well, I know when somebody's lying to me. I guarantee you there's some people you don't know. They're so good at lying to you, you have no clue they're lying to you. But the truth will always come out. Am I preaching good already? The reason that you think about living a life of legacy is a life of legacy, get this out of your head, doesn't mean you've lived a life that makes sure your name is remembered. No, a life of legacy is that you live a life where you make sure it's not about you, that you are doing everything you can do to pour into people while you are here because your legacy is not your name. Your legacy is those you have imparted into that continues to learn from your life after you're gone it's not about you we don't have a selfie religion so I see people taking advantage of the Holy Ghost and making the anointing of God for them Oh, they, they want everything the Holy Ghost has for them they want to feel goosebumps they want to feel the hair stand up on, the, on their arms they want to fall out in the power of God they want to speak in tongues they want to be drunk in the Holy Ghost they want to receive all of that and they've equated that's all the Holy Spirit is for it's for you to feel something can I tell you something the Holy Spirit's legacy and the Holy Spirit has a legacy he's not dead he's always existed but I'm going to tell you the outpouring of the legacy I should say of Acts chapter 2 the infilling and the outpouring of the baptism of the Holy Ghost was never intended for it to be about you it is, comes on you not for you it comes on you so that you can help others you shall lay hands upon the sick and they shall recover. In my name you will cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Psalms 112 says this. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house. Watch this. And his righteousness endures forever. Up unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. And the righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. Don't you want to leave something for your kids? Don't you want to leave something for your grandkids? I hate to say it, and I'm not being demeaning, but if something happened to you right now and the Lord took you and brought you on to heaven, many of you, the only thing you're going to leave your kids is debt. Hmm? Chaos, 
gossip that you've been taught that you heard them heard they heard you talking about your brothers and your sisters and your family and your blood and your preacher if you're still breathing you got a chance to change what you leave them oh it's quiet because i'm hitting on some things i can feel it i can feel it right now what kind of world Will, you, will your loved ones live in in your memory if you were gone? The Bible says a good man gracious, deals graciously in lens. We just read it. He will guide his affairs with discretion. He will make sure that every day he gets up. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. If God orders my steps today, then I'm making an investment in today. Today is an investment. God gave you some capital. Some of y'all invested in the stock market, and that's good. Some of y'all invested in certain things, and that's good. But there's no greater investment than the day that the Lord gave you when you opened your eyes this morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Because God has given me seed to invest. I'm talking about some of y'all think the only seed to invest is money. Let me tell you something. You can invest money and still be a heathen. But when you live your life for others, when you get up today and you say, God, I won't go unless you tell me to go. I won't say it unless you tell me to say it. I trust you to quicken my spirit to tell me to shut up when I need to shut up. He says, if you, if you guide your affairs with discretion, you will never be shaken. Ain't that cool that, that the psalmist was writing about a generation that the writer of Hebrews said, there's going to be a generation where everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Chapter 12 in Hebrews, until that which cannot be shaken remain. Well, Psalms just told us the ones that, that shall not be shaken and remain are those who have made an intentional effort to guide their affairs with discretion. Those that have made an intentional effort to say, God, you order my steps. God, I want to get over this junk that I'm going through because I need to be a blessing to somebody. But the ones that are inwardly focused and the shaking starts happening, if all you care about it is yourself and your own self-preservation, that's what you will do. You will run and hide under something while the people that you love are standing in the midst of chaos being overtaken by the attack of the enemy but you don't know how to put them first because you've never lived a life that put them first. Woo! So let me tell you something. It ain't an easy life to put somebody else first because it goes against everything in human nature. Human nature is self-preservation, protecting themselves. Now, for a mama, it's an instinct to protect their kids, and same for a daddy. But I'm telling you, even then, I've seen mamas and daddies that were not living their life intentionally that might protect and shelter their kids from an imminent physical attack that they may see coming in the external. Mm. 
but don't know anything about how to instinctively protect them in the spirit. And sometimes the biggest attack that you need to stand between the living and the dead for, for your loved ones, is spiritual even more than physical. Oh, I'm preaching good. See, you need to write this down. You need to write this down because all y'all just said all great leaders take notes. Ain't about five of you wrote down anything. God wants us to live a life that outlives our life. Oh, you didn't hear it. You didn't hear it. God wants you to live a life that outlives your life. See, when you go on, it's going to be tough on the people that love you. For a few weeks, months, and for those that are intimately close, a lifetime, they will never forget that day that you left us. Every time it comes up on the calendar, you'll remember how you felt and where you were when you lost your loved one. But let me tell you something. Most people that know you will not remember that when it comes up on their calendar. Some will, but most will not. They'll remember when it happened, they'll, but you know what they'll remember? Not when you died. They will remember when you lived. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. They're not going to sit around when somebody brings you up at a Christmas dinner and spend 20 and 30 minutes laughing and encouraging people about how you died. Well, this is a good word. But they're going to remember. Y'all remember that time when, y'all remember that time? Oh, God. Oh, and that, that. What are they talking about? They're not talking about when you left. They're talking about when you lived. That's the dash that I talk so much about. On every tombstone, there's a birthday. There's a death day. And then there's a dash or there's a space. It's unbelievable to fathom that for some people, 50, 60, 70, 80, and sometimes 100 years, is summed up in one little space. Everything they ever did, everything they ever said, everything they ever ate, drank, every sin they ever committed, every time they praised the Lord, every vacation, every drive to work and back, every ball game they watched, every time they went to the altar, every time they kissed their spouse, every time they picked their kids up and played with them, everything is in that little space of that dash. That is the legacy. When the families come back and stand at the tombstone, they don't come back and stand at the tombstone because they remember that you're dead. They come back and stand at the tombstone because they remember that you live. Am I preaching good this morning? I want to ask you a series of questions over the next couple of minutes. Here's my first question. We understand legacy of our own personal family. But here's a question I want to ask the body of Christ. Here's a question I want to ask those that are watching online. What kind of legacy is the church leaving in this nation? 
Oh, yeah, I'm going there. I'm going there. What kind of legacy are we leaving? Truth is no longer truth. You got people now saying, live your truth. Statements that are stupid. Live your truth. Well, you can't live your truth if your truth ain't the truth. Let me make it real for you. If your truth is not the truth and you think you're living the truth, you are living a lie. You don't get to make up your truth. The truth is the truth and it'll make you free. You don't get to decide what the truth is. All you can do is tell the truth. You can't make the truth. Oh, my God. But we got a generation, can I just be real and bold, have lost their mind. We've lost our mind. We think we can create a new truth. We have allowed the word of God to be twisted into something it was never supposed to be. We're using scripture to condone things that ain't got nothing to do with what the scripture said. Morals and modesty no longer exist in most people's lives. I'm not just talking about people that don't go to church. I'm talking about church people. My God, if, if, if somebody back when I was a kid could get in a time machine, the church that I was raised in, and all of a sudden they appear in 2021 and somebody shows them this thing Instagram and they start, oh, well, that's cool. Let's look up Sister So-and-So today. Praise the Lord. She goes to church here. My God, they wouldn't know what to think. Now, I'm not talking about going back to judgmental legalism. But I remember as a kid hearing the preacher go, well, i tell you something right now. I'm not going to get up here and tell you how, what kind of clothes to wear. I'm not no clothesline preacher. But I will tell you this. Maybe I don't need to see your thigh. Maybe I don't need to see your chest hair. I remember that. I remember one preacher said, I ain't no clothesline preacher, but I will tell you, some of y'all need to go back to the clothesline, get some of them clothes all off the clothesline, and put them on your body. Now, some of you young people don't even know what a clothesline is. They don't even know what a clothesline is. I bet they do in Walker County, because they do in Blount County. They definitely do in Blount County. Huh? Now I ain't through. I ask you what kind of legacy are we leaving in this nation, in this nation leaving? Now my question is this. What kind of legacy are we leaving in families and the concept that was created, not the concept, the principle that was created and mandated by God that he calls a family? And I got, I got down here in bold letters, caution, you may be triggered by my words that are coming. Caution, you may, I may trigger you. Mm. Just going to read it like the Lord gave it to me. 
Are we teaching young boys and girls what it means to be a man or a woman anymore? Mm -hmm. Here's another question. Will the next generation even know what a boy or a girl is? I'm trying my best to get kicked off Facebook. I, I'm telling you, that's going to be a badge for me. Thank you. My amen corner is faithful. I saw on the news the other night, they had a guest that said this. It is time for us to be fully compassionate and understand that many parents are concerned and they have voiced their concerns to their OBGYN and to their doctors when they become pregnant. First of all, they don't even believe it's a baby. But once they decide that they're pregnant, they realize they're pregnant, even though they don't believe it's a baby until it's born, they, it sure is amazing to me. They still take vitamins. They quit smoking. They quit drinking. They try to make sure that that entity inside of them gets what it needs so one day it can breathe and become a baby. It's not an entity. It's a child. Okay? Now watch this. This is what this guest said. They met more and more couples in this generation are having this conversation with their doctors. Please do not refer to this that is, listen to what she said, to this that is within me as a baby. I would prefer you address this that's within me, get this, as a baby. I need my church to be, I need to wake you up. See, some of y'all think you're woke, but you only woke to a, a couple of things. I need to really get you woke. Because there's more things going on to wake you up that you don't know about. This is spreading. They want the baby to be called a baby. Because here's why. They want to tell the doctor, you, me as the parent, or no one else has a right to tell this thing that's within me, when they start breathing, whether they are a boy or a girl. So we're going to call them a baby so that we're covered, boy and girl. And when they get old enough to decide what they are, we'll call them what they are. Ooh, I can feel devils trying to stick me right now with all kinds of pins. I can feel it like little acupuncture pins sticking me. Is there any wonder? That there is such great confusion about the family. But can I tell you something? Oh, you ain't going to like this because y'all shouted me down then. It is not the fault of those that want that within them to be called a baby that they want to be called a baby. They are the legacy of us. 
It is us that allowed this to come. One generation doesn't just decide to hold, to hold heartedly from one end to the other, redefine everything that God designed himself in the word of God. No, it's been a trickle-down effect for, for many generations. Us, my generation, our parents, we have begun little by little, our children, some of you that are old enough to have children to have children, they're now raising their children a different way. I know we need to learn from the past and not repeat many of the things that we did even in our families as the past. But the reality is this, the principle of, taking, of a man taking a boy out, out, outside and teaching him how to do man things are almost non-existent. A woman taking a woman and, and saying, listen, these are some of the principles you need to know in, in your life, whether you're, have, whether you're married or not, uh, because you are a woman, and I want you to be a woman of God. You can do, telling their daughters, you can do anything you want to do. You can do most everything that a man can do. And the reason I say most is because there are some things physically that is very difficult and sometimes impossible for many women to be able to do physically that a man can do. I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I've got one of the most powerful women of God in the world, most confident women of God in the world that, I, that I'm married to. She, we make our decisions together. Okay, but she respects me as the leader of our home. But I'm telling you, most of the time as the leader of our home, my response is she's like, whatever you want to do, you're the leader of the home. And I'll say, well, baby, whatever you want to do makes me happy. Come on, can I just be real with y'all? So I'm not talking about that, that God myself and even God has anything anything against a strong, mighty, fierceful warrior woman of God. Amen. Let me tell you something. I shouldn't have to say this. And I promise you right now, preachers would never have dreamed that they would have to say this. There is a reason why before Sonar could tell you in advance that the first one that would tell mama and daddy in the room what they were having was because there were very obvious ways of knowing. Oh, y'all didn't get it. Either y'all didn't get it or y'all are very uncomfortable with that. Because here's the reality. God made it very obvious. Now, the way they're jumping around inside of you and all this kind of stuff, sometimes people say, well, that means you're having this. You know, really, there's boys and girls the same way to some extent in the belly. But when boys and girls come out and the doctor looks down, it's a boy. The doctor looks down. It's a girl. Huh? Because there is something there that God put there. And the reason that God put it there is because he designed it that way. And it wasn't just because he wanted you, listen to me, to be able to know what a boy and a girl is. It is because he wanted you to be able to know this is a boy. You need to raise him to be a man. This is a girl. You need to raise him to be a woman. Because one day that man is going to need a woman. And that woman is going to need a man. If anybody wants to, uh, uh, a mini-me of themselves, this is how it's going to work. Well, bless God, I got a cousin and, you know, 
They ain't, they ain't opposite. They're the same, and they got a kid. Well, one of them may have even carried it in them. But I don't want to get real, real deep on you, but I'll just tell you this. There was a man involved somewhere. I, I mean, I don't know. He might have been up in Chicago or something like that, and it got flew down to Birmingham. I don't know. But I promise you that. There wasn't no baby that came in this world. There wasn't a man involved somewhere. Y'all still love you, Pastor? Now, now some of y'all going to say that's hate speech. Not y'all. But some people going to say it's hate speech. That wasn't hate speech. That wasn't hate speech. I, 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 listen, I'm not hating on nobody. We have people that, that come to this church, visit this church, that, that are two men in relationship with each other, two women in relationship with each other. I want you to know, I don't care who you're married to, who you're with, same sex, opposite sex, you will be loved and welcomed as much as anyone in this house. Okay? I thought I'd get a better response, Solid Rock Church, because that's what God has called us to do. Reach anyone wherever they're at. Let me, let me help some of you that, that, that didn't want to shout me down on that. You want to tell me that you're not, you're, you're not going to be excited about welcoming a gay couple in here that are having gay sex, but you want, you want to embrace your cousin who's shacking up with somebody else and they're having sex every night, but you're going to be excited because they come to church, but you ain't going to be excited because a gay couple comes to church. Let me help you. The reason gay sex is, is wrong in the eyes of God is because, number one, they weren't God created, but any kind of sex outside of marriage is not condoned by God. So your cousin who's shacking up, Some of y'all might be shacking up, and I don't know it. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not demeaning you. I didn't know that. I don't need to know that. I love you. But make it right with God. There's so much stuff I can say right now that's going through my mind. Y'all, y'all, see, y'all, y'all, y'all shout, say it. But y'all don't, y'all, no. Listen, there ain't but one bed. That, call, that God calls undefiled. And God's word said that's the bed of a husband and wife. And God said, when, when you shut the door and you blessed in my eyes, you can't put your vows before me, a husband and a wife, I say, go on with your bad self. <laughs> God ain't got no problem with sex. He invented it. But he wants it to be done holy and right the way he designed it. I wonder if this one's going to survive. I'm sure the algorithms of, of Facebook is on overdrive right now trying to, what did he just say? Run that back. See, there's this thing now in cell phones called 5G. Some of you have a 5G phone. Most of you who has a modern phone has 4G. But it makes sense for those that's been using a smartphone or phones for a while, you understand that there was a time when it was 3G. So what each of those G's stand for is not 
any kind of uh, deep radio wave uh, terminology. It literally stands for, does anybody know? Generation. Third generation technology. Fourth generation technology. 5G is the fifth generation of the evolution of high-speed internet. Every generation in the cell phone industry expands its coverage. Every generation in the technology and in, in cell phone industry speeds up, creates new, new uh, earmarks to hit, doesn't lower the standard. Are you with me? So it's trying to teach us something about generations. Every generation that comes by and leaves, the population of this world grows. Every generation that goes by, the population numbers get bigger. But as we have been preaching about today, every generation that goes by shows us the devaluing of our morals and our cultures. Listen. Most people die in debt and leave nothing but heartache for those that are left behind. Many families are ruined at death, at the death of a loved one. There are no preparations made. There's so much debt, too much dysfunction that no one even knows what to do at the death of that loved one. The thought of an inheritance or even a blessing to pass down is completely foreign to most people. They die with nothing to leave their children or grandchildren in the natural. But God said in his word there is a minimum G that you are supposed to impact. There is a minimum. It is not your immediate family. That's the first generation. Your children. It is not even your grandchildren. That's the second generation. The minimum, the Bible says, that you are supposed to have a legacy that speaks into, that impacts and duplicates and speeds up is 3G, the third generation. Your great-grandchildren. The Bible says in the new, in the new, in the, excuse me, in the King James Version, it's referred to, your grandchildren is referred to this, your children and your children's children. That's your grandchildren. Now, wait a minute. Some of you are like, well, you know, I wait a little bit longer. I may have a grandchild before I'm, too, before I'm old enough to go and be with the Lord. I don't know if I'll live to be uh, old enough to see my grandchildren. You ain't heard a word I just said. Your legacy lives longer than you. So if you are pouring into your children, your children have their own legacy to leave. But every time, if you've made the point to pour into your children, whether you think they're listening or not, they will pour into their children the wisdom that God has given them, but many times will be built on the wisdom that you put in them. So if you want to put it this way, a little bit of your spiritual influential DNA doesn't just come in the natural in your kids. Your grandchildren have your DNA physically. Your great-grandchildren have your DNA physically. That's how you can be 10, 15 generations away and send off for one of these things you can send off for. They can come tell you who your granddaddy was back in 17, 1600 because a little bit of your DNA is passed down from generation to generation to generation. I want you to know that spiritual DNA can be passed down. I want you to know wisdom DNA can be passed down. And God said, you want it to go on forever. 
But if you can make sure that you leave a legacy that's at least 3G, by the time it gets to 5G, do you understand? Let me put it this way. Every one of us in here will impact some way, positively or negatively, to generations that come after us. Now watch this though. Every one of us is a third generation. Well, I didn't know who my daddy was. Don't matter. You're still the first generation of your daddy. Hmm? You may not know who your daddy or your mama is, but their DNA's in you. You may never find them, but they're there. And every one of your mom and daddy had a mom and daddy. Their mom and daddy had a mom and daddy. So, so there are three generations minimum that God says you are to impact in this direction. It's hard for people to fathom that because they are the recipient on this end. They're either the first, second, third generation of those that went before them. And many of the legacies of those that went before them was a bad legacy. They were abused. They were uh, sexually abused. They were physically abused. They were verbally abused. They were dropped. They were broken. They were abandoned. And now that legacy is within them. Well, you have a choice to make if that's within you. I had a choice to make. You know, I've said this and I learned it the hard way. I talk about it in my book, and that is this, that you better be careful what you declare judgment on other people that come out of your mouth. Because I, most of my childhood, all of my teenage years and into my young adult life, one of the things that drove me is I would say things like this. Well, I can tell you one thing right now. I don't know what I'm going to be, but I'll never be like that man. And if you're not careful when you speak that judgment, it becomes an open door to you because now you've put everything that you are planning to be in your life on the detrimental treatment that you receive from someone else. And that is a seed sown, whether you realize it or not. That is a seed sown to the flesh. And the Bible tells us if you sow a seed to the flesh, you shall of the flesh reap corruption. If you sow a seed to the Spirit, you shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. But let me tell you something. Almost every time that you are determined not to be like that man, not to be like that woman, unless a miracle of God happens in your life, you better mark it down. Nine times out of ten, you will become that person person when you see somebody that's abusive it's usually because they were abused they are the second or third generation of abuse sometimes I understand there's always the anomaly that people will become an alcoholic just first generational alcoholic but most of the time alcoholics are generational alcoholics might not even be directly mother and father, but it could be an uncle. It could be an aunt. It could be a family that was full of alcoholics. And, and when, when problems come, they remember how people used to deal with their problems then, and they choose a route because it is a generational curse, if you want to call it that, that is passed down. God said somebody at some point has to be the curse breaker. Somebody has to stop it. Why can't it be you? 
You're in a church that believes in deliverance. You're sitting next to people all around you that you have no idea. Some of you are sitting next to drug addicts, former cocaine addicts. Some of them have been through every rehab known to man. People, there's, homo, there's former homosexuals in this house. You don't know it. There's former lesbians. There's former gay men in this house. There are people who have, uh, who have abused the, their vows, cheated on their wife and husband, and God restored their marriage. Come on. You don't know. You don't know the alcohol that you're sitting next to that God delivered. And they're all over this house. They're all over this house. I mean, I, know, I don't know all their stories, but I know a lot of their stories. Man, if I was to write a book about all y'all, I don't think I'd survive. One of y'all would kill me. But, because I know some stuff. But, you know what? I don't, I don't brag about the fact that I know some stuff. The only reason I know the stuff about some of y'all is because you've sit and told me what God delivered you from. You've sit and told me what you used to be, not what you are now and what you're speaking on your children and what you're speaking on your children's children. You made a decision. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I mean, I know your mama died of cancer and your great mama died, great mother died of cancer or had heart disease or this one had this, this one had kidney disease, that one's kidney shut down. Listen, we honor that and everything. But you know what? Don't allow yourself to fall into the trap that says, I'm going to have it. I'm going to deal with it. Listen, I hate that it happened, but somebody's got to stand up. Somebody's got to break the curse. Somebody's got to say, the buck stops here. Somebody's got to be like Aaron when he ran out in the middle of the plague and people were falling like de dead like flies all over the desert. He's just jumping over dead bodies. The Bible said Aaron ran all the way out to the end of the plague. He saw people alive. He looked back and everybody was dead. And the Bible said when he jumped over the last dead man, he put his hands up. He held up the anointing of God. And he said, stop it. That's enough. And the Bible said he stood between and the dead. He stood between the living and the dead and the plague stopped. Maybe God's called you to be an errand. Maybe God's called you to be that one. You know the thing about Aaron? Aaron didn't stand there making sure everybody looked at him and knew what he was doing. He didn't care if people knew his name. All he cared about is somebody has got to stop this death. Somebody has got to stop this curse. So some of y'all waiting on the pastor to do it. Moses was the pastor. But Moses didn't do it. Moses had poured into his brother. And Moses, under the instruction of God, God told Moses to tell his brother to go do it. This is weird. But that was his brother, but it was really his son in the spirit. It was his brother in the natural, but it was his son in the spirit. He was a spiritual generation. Can I tell you, that's all God's called me to be to you. It's all he's called me to be. All the other things that people think pastors are supposed to do are man-made up. It's not, it's not a pastor's job to visit you in the hospital. It's a Christian's job. And I'm a Christian. 
So I come to visit you because I love you because I'm a child of God. And, of course, I, because I am your pastor. But don't get mad if, if things grow and there's ten different people sick at the same time and your pastor did not get to check on everything. But if somebody else from the church does, it's the same thing as pastor doing it. And if you don't think that, if you don't think somebody else checking on you is the same as me checking on you, then you have a very healthy, ex- unhealthy, excuse me, unhealthy expectation and relationship of me. Because I am not what you think I am. I am not holy and high and to be lifted up. The higher you lift me up, the harder I'm going to fall. Because the reality is this, I'm a human being just like you. But you know what I'm doing? I am telling you as your spiritual father, you have been anointed by God to be the Aaron of your family. I'm telling you, the anointing is passed down to you. You need to run out to the edge of the living and the dead in your family. And you need to, they don't even need to know you're doing it sometimes. You just need to get up in the morning and you need to get up and say, devil, you are a liar. Get your hands off my baby. Get your hands off my family. Get your hands. My God, are y'all hearing me? Would to God that some people would stand up? That don't sound too loving. But what do you call loving? There's nothing more loving than helping somebody get free. There's nothing more loving than to bringing people out of darkness into light. There's nothing more loving than snatching a loved one up from the grips of hell and making sure their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. There's nothing more loving than for for God to use you to help somebody get free from a lifestyle that is killing them. You're going to have to get mad, not at the person and not at the one that came before you. But you need to learn for the first time truly in your walk with God who the enemy is. It sickens me. It sickens me to my core as a pastor to see so many Christians from all walks of life, all races and all political parties making candidates the enemy. Wait a minute. And making candidates God. One is God, one is the devil. That one that you thought was the devil, half the population thinks is God. One you thought was God, they're rebuking him as the devil. God said, I'll have no other gods before me. That, that, that includes political candidates. You are not leaving the legacy that God has called you to leave. In fact, because you've allowed yourself to get caught up in all this mess that's going on, it has so gripped your mind and your heart. You are burning bridges, baby. I'm talking about people who need you. You are not there anymore because you have cut them off. Because of some flag they fly or or some banner they wear or something that's written on their mask or something on their shirt or something they painted on pavement. 
used to be friends till you saw somebody taking a selfie with a Black Lives Matter uh, painted on the, on the ground. Well, that's God. If he believes in what the Black Lives Matter believes on their website, I don't, I don't know if I can have anything to do with it. Because here's the reality. You need, you need to go to the website and read. The core. I'm not talking about the movement. I'm talking about the core. The, if you read the core that's on the website, I'm not talking about the movement. I'm not talking about the moment. I'm not talking about the purpose. Are y'all hearing me? Because I believe in the purpose. I believe in the moment. You go to the website. Listen, I might as well go ahead and sell it. I say it all day. You go to the website, it'll tell you some of the principles that are there. Now, some of them they took off. But I saw them before they took off. And it was the deconstruction of the typical nucleus family of husband and wife was there. That has nothing to do with racial harmony. Has nothing to do with the core of the demonic spirit that is be, that is underneath and the foundation of racism. Has nothing to do with it. And if you think it does, you have you have you have bought into something that is not in the Bible. For God so loved the world, He loves the world. Did I just lose half of y'all? I mean, are you still with me? On the flip side, if I didn't lose that side, I might lose the other side now. You care more about trying to prove that an election voting machine was rigged than you do care about trying to prove that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Huh? You care more about proving fraud in an election. When's the last time you laid hands on somebody and prayed for them? When's the last time you spent as much time watching a video on YouTube as you do with the Lord? See, I just lost. See, that, I'm an equal offender. I'm an equal opportunity offender. I used to say it this way. I don't want to offend you, and I don't plan on offending you, but hold on for a minute. It's probably coming. And that's not intentional. And that, Listen, if I hit you with something right now, I'm not talking about you. I got a lot of friends. I'm not, I, don't, I don't counsel from the pulpit. But here's the thing. If something is said up here, and you know the foundation of what I just said is biblical, you have to allow yourself to receive it. Not because I said it, but because it's biblical. Because our legacy depends on it. Our children depend on it. There's going to come a time sooner than you know because time flies by, don't it? I'm talking about boom. It's already here we are in February of a new year after all that we just had to go through. There's going to come a time not long from now that 2020 and 2021 and the election and the chaos in the streets and all the things that have happened in our lives in the last few years is going to be a historical thing that our kids and our grandkids are taught about and taught and asked questions about. So what when they ask you, Daddy, when they ask you, Papa, how did you act when all that was going down? What how, how did you respond? What are your feelings on it? Oh my God, what are they gonna think about the world and, well, in this generation and the next generation and the third generation? Because I got news for you. If you don't pour into them, Satan has lined up so 
social media. He's lined up all kinds of things, and they are actively pouring into your children and your grandchildren right now. Sorry, Don. You won the last one in the prayer conference. He said, I could barely hear him on the phone. I could barely understand him. He said, Pastor, don't you stop being who you are. That's what he told me. Max is what he said. He said, because what you are speaking into us, we need it. And don't stop. That was very complimentary. One of the last things he said. So I'm not just doing it because of that reason. I'm doing it because I love God. I'm doing it because I love that woman. I'm doing it because I love that girl and that young man and their baby. And I love my daughter. And I love all of you. But I'm also doing it because I'm honoring the legacy of a great man. He's spoken to my life almost every week in a word of encouragement. And one of the last things where he couldn't even hardly speak, he said, don't stop being who you are. So I'm going to tell you something. If you get mad at me today and you don't come back to church after today, I was not the problem. I was not the problem. You care more about your interpretation of things than you do about being teachable. And if you're not teachable, you're not reachable. So I'm going to tell you something. If God is telling you to leave this church, you need to give him a few more weeks to make sure. You don't leave a church, and I don't think anybody's going to leave, but you don't leave a church when you're mad. You're never leaving for the right reason. God doesn't tell you to leave a church when you're mad, unless that church is, of course, preaching absolutely heresy. And how many knows this church does not preach heresy? So at least give them a few more weeks. In a few more weeks, maybe, maybe I won't be so mean next week. Maybe I'll be all sweet and butterflies next week. And then, then you can make that decision. Genesis 45, 10. I'm going to read these rapidly. I'm going to start with Proverbs 13. Excuse me. I'm going to read them rapidly. I'm going to close. Proverbs 13, 22. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of a sinner is stored up for the righteous. Genesis 45, 10. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near to me. What's, what's, what's the principle of the third generation? You and your children, your children's children, your flocks and your herds and all that you have. Psalms 103, 17. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting of those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. Proverbs 17, 6. Children's children are the crown of old men and the glory of children is their father. You hear that, Lizzie? The glory of your life is me. No.
Everything we do, we follow Jesus, right? Jesus left a legacy on earth for one day. He did. Look at us. Over 2,000 years later, we're doing what he told us to do. We're still, we've been studying the same book for 2,000 years, and new revelation is still being given. New thing, not, not, not adding to the word, but new understanding. Remember what he told Daniel? He said, he told Daniel, seal up the book until the days that knowledge shall increase. What, what he was telling Daniel is he said, there's going to be a generation that's going to see things in Scripture that no generation's ever seen. That's the final generation. I believe that's us. But you know what Jesus prayed for us? More than anything. Listen, listen to this. I say this all the time, but if those who never heard this, you need to hear it again. Got to hear it for the first time. Those who have heard it, you're going to hear it again. If I was to ask you, what's the greatest thing Jesus ever did when he walked this earth? You know what that is, right? He lived a sinless life, died on the cross for our sins, created a whole new covenant called the new covenant. He said it is finished. On the third day, came back from the dead and established something called the church. All of that's one thing. That's what he came to do, right? What's the second greatest thing he ever did? That's always been fascinating to me because it was always fascinating to my youngest daughter. She would always ask me my second favorite thing of anything. And I, I, it would just freak me out. I thought, at first, I thought this is just a little baby not knowing how to, that what she's saying. She'd ask me what my second favorite color was, what my second favorite song was. She'd ask me what my second. I'd say, don't you want to know what my first favorite is? Remember what she said to me one day. Daddy, everybody knows what your first favorite is. I want to know something little kid so the second greatest thing Jesus ever did was choose to pour his vision and his life into other people sit around a campfire and they'd look at him and they'd say hey Jesus I know you said this what did you really mean he would say, well, I'm glad you asked. The seed that I was talking about that the sower would sow is the word of God. The thief that would come in is the devil. He would break it down to those that were around him. And he, listen to this legacy statement. He says, hey, you see all these things that you're amazed at? All these great things that I'm doing? I want you to know something about what I'm really building here. These things that you see me do, you will do also. And greater will you do if I go to my Father. In other words, you can't raise the dead better than somebody else raised the dead. If somebody raises from the dead, come back from the dead, I mean, that's about as good as you can get. How is it better? The only way it's better is it's more doing it at the same time. It's duplication. He says, right now I'm standing at one place calling, as, as Charlotte said, I'm calling one man out. And I love what she said. If it wouldn't have said Lazarus come forth, every, every person that is dead come forth. That's how powerful he was. But he was very specific for that moment. But he was, Lazarus come forth. He's saying, everything you've seen me do is going to be duplicated in the generations to come. But more than anything, this is the last thing I'm going to say is this. John chapter 17. 
Jesus pulls himself away and he begins to pray. And I'm so thankful that God allowed John through the Spirit to be able to record these words of the prayer of Jesus. He says this, I do not pray for these alone. Meaning I'm praying for those, every person that I can see with my natural eye. But I also pray for those who will believe in me through your word. And they that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me, I have given them. That they may be one just as we are one. I in them you in me that they may be perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. What a prayer by the creator of the universe. What an unselfish, unfocused on himself prayer. He prayed that for us. And so if you've ever wondered if Jesus himself has ever prayed for you, the Bible says he's the intercessor right now sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for you. But, but, but right here he says, I don't just pray this prayer for the people I can see. I pray this prayer for everyone who will ever take my name and ever serve me through your word. His prayer was one simple prayer that they would be one even as you and I are one. We have missed it. I shudder what our children's children are going to believe about the world in which they live. soft, breathe real soft. Let me go to you. I say these words to you, church. There is breath in my body. So God is not through with me. He's through with the legacy that he wants me to leave in my children, my children's children, and to everyone I come in contact with. So there's hope. Sammy and I have to remind ourselves of that a lot. John, there's hope. There's hope. John, there's hope. I'm in through you. You might not be able to do what you do in the natural, but you're still here because God in through you. I'm not even saying that you ain't going to be able to do some of the things you can do in the natural. You know what I love about you? Whatever state you're in, you are as humble and loving and caring as I am as well. But there is hope. There's servitude. 
Oh, God. <laughs> I got to say to you, Jump, the Lord just told me. God. Dad, I'm on. I need something. I'm on prayer. I believe I'm saying something that you've already felt. It's now on you. It's now on the mantle because you're an encourager too don't be afraid you don't have to be afraid Kyle you can't be afraid Kyle all you can be is Jonah but I can tell you today my wife will tell you I said son it's going to be hard because I know I'm going to preach some very controversial stuff it's going to make people on both sides of the political aisle mad at me he said but I always knew no matter what I was preaching Y'all don't know I do this, but there are certain people that I count on that I walk to certain sections. I'll make eye contact with them. And many times they'll see the struggle that's in them. And they'll point their finger at me. They'll do a chest bump. They'll do this. They're letting me know. I know this is hard on you, Pastor. But I got you. Got you back out here. I can't tell you the times I've looked over. Brother Fred stood right here. And Brother Fred looked at me and go. I said, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. I'll look for him. He's not going to be there. But today, John, I want you to know something. I didn't know God was going to say what he just said. But I wanted, I was going to tell you this after service. Today when I looked over there, I looked at you in that difficult time. And whether you realized or not, you had tears running down your face. You looked at me and you put your hand up like this to God. And I felt that same encouragement come off of you the way I did off of Fred. Hallelujah. That's a legacy. What if we had a whole church like that? What if we had a whole church that was so hungry for the truth that pastors didn't have to worry about preaching on difficult things as long as they did it with a good heart and, a, and a, an attempt to do it as loving as they could that they knew they had a church that would be there with them? What if we stood together? What if we didn't divide ourselves along political lines? What if we didn't divide ourselves along racial lines? What if we didn't divide ourselves on any line? What if we drew a line? Come on, are you hearing me? What if we just drew a line? I feel the whole, I could preach to 2 o'clock today. Just drew a line. And we all got behind that line. And we all locked up together behind that line and said, devil, you can't cross it. That's the bloodline. I remember the old-time preacher going, you need to draw a bloodline and dare the devil to cross that line. When's the last time we was pleading the blood of Jesus over our kids and over our family? My God, my God, it's time for us to plead the blood of Jesus. I do not care what time it is right now. It is time for us to plead the blood of Jesus again. It is time to put our faith in God and not in man. It is time for us to believe God. It is time, church, it is time, church, to believe in a place where when everything else fails, we know we can go to God. It is time, church. It is time. I don't care about anything else but God right now. I don't care about anything else but God. Come down, Lord, right now and show us, God, who you want us to be. Show us, God.
Listen, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've got sin in your life, if you've got animosity, if you've got hatred, if you've got bitterness, if you've got racism, if you've got any kind of thing that is standing between you and the glory of God, you need to get it out today. There is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. We don't condemn you. God don't condemn, doesn't condemn you. But you need to deal with it because what God wants to do with you in your life, you can't do it till you deal with this. Jesus. 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 Those that are up here right now, I don't want to wait anymore. Raise your hands all over. Raise your hands because that's a sign of victory. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood over every man, every woman, every teenager, every, every person that's up here. I plead the blood of Jesus. I'm unashamed to plead the blood of Jesus over them. God, in this church, we're going to pray. In this church, we're going we're gonna to speak the word of God. So I speak over every man. I speak over every woman who God, on their own, God moved them. They made a decision on their own to come to this altar. They were not made to come. They're here because they need help. They're here, God, because they need to be delivered for some things. They're here because, God, they need faith. They need to be able to believe. And I know your word said, God, we get faith from the word, but there's a gift of faith that comes with the baptism of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. That's your faith, God. Some of the folks that are up here, in fact, all of the folks that are up here, I know in my spirit, are facing things that their faith is not alone, is not strong enough. They need your faith, God. I know the faith of a grain of a mustard seed. But God, they need an impartation of faith, your faith into their life. God, impart into them faith of knowing this is going to end. This is going to end. This is going to end. Whatever it is that you came up here for. Some of you came up here for yourself. Some of you came up here for others. Whatever it is, I just want you to begin to praise Him right there where you're at, that it's done. Praise Him as if it's already done. Praise Him if it's already done. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. It's done. Jesus. 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 Jesus, it's done. Father. Oh, we praise you, Lord. We give you glory, Lord. Mm. something. The altar is that place many times where you stand between the living and the dead. Like Aaron. That's what you did today. You ran up here. You jumped over all the dead memories. You jumped over all the curse of death that's been spoken over you. Your family. Generational curses. You ran through it all. You ran through doubt. You ran through Confusion. You had to push through. The devil's saying, sit down, sit down. 
You don't need to go up there. You've gone up there a thousand times. What's a thousand and one going to matter? You told everything to shut up except the Holy Spirit. You got up here. God said he's going to honor that. He's looking for some people that will stand between the living and the dead. He said, that's enough. If not for you, for your children and your children's children. Can I tell you something? This is for you and many others that are back there in the church. Don't think that only means physical children. You are, many of you, whether you realize or not, are spiritual fathers and mothers to people that God has put in your life to mentor. The world calls it mentoring. God calls it fathering and mothering. So the same blessing that you would speak on the generation that would come forth uh, from your body, it's the same kind of blessing you can speak on those that God has put in your life. It might be an actual sister or brother. It might be a blood relative. It may be a co-worker. It may be a neighbor. It may be a schoolmate. You ain't got to run around calling them son, make them feel uncomfortable, but take, take ownership and say, God, I'm speaking blessings over my friend and their family. I'm going to stand between the living and the dead for them for, because their faith is not where my faith is, so I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand until they have that faith for them. We're in the middle of something, y'all. Something genuinely is happening here in this house. Do not allow the enemy to arrest your mind and offense. There's a book years ago that some of you may need to, to read. It was written by John Bevere. It's called The Devil's Door. It's one of the first books that we used in our ambassador's program when we were in the little white building in Chapel Hill. The Devil's Door is offense. Number one door. If you allow yourself to get offended in any way, the door swings open. It is the perfume that is the sweet smell to Satan himself. But he can't resist. It's where he operates. It's where he destroys in the open door of offense. The Bible says Jesus says all closed doors are thrown open. The atmosphere and the perfume that God uses is praise. So you want to live a life that is the book that Delane would probably recommend called Unoffendable. Then you got to live a life of offending praise God. Praise your way through things that make you feel uncomfortable. Praise your way through things that step on your toes. You don't have to receive it. It don't even mean that it's all right. But at least be teachable. Amen.